We are continuing our study of the book of Acts this morning, so if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to Acts chapter 14. We're going to pick up where we left off with verse 21. If someone told you that if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you believe in him and receive him as Lord, that all of your troubles will be gone. You will never face a hardship again. Some of you are already laughing because you know that they fed you a line straight from the prosperity gospel, not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in John chapter 16, verse 33, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Some translations say hardships, some say sufferings, but nevertheless, Jesus said, here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows. Now, none of us get up on a Monday morning eagerly awaiting the fulfillment of Jesus's words. People would question if we have a sound mind, if we got up on Monday or any day for that matter and said, yes, I'm so excited. I'm looking forward to that hardship that Jesus is going to bring into my life or wherever that source may be. We, we just, we don't do that. We don't long for the words. In fact, it's the opposite. We want life to go smoothly. But all of us in the room, I believe, have lived long enough. Some of you are way younger than I am, but still, you've lived long enough to know that it just, life that is, doesn't go smoothly all the time. In fact, it's a rarity that life actually goes smoothly. We all have hardships. Now, quite frankly, I'm one of those people that has a tendency to ask a lot of questions. And it drives some people crazy. It's not that I'm questioning them or what they know or longing to find fault in them. That's not it at all. It's just that I ask questions because I want to understand. I once had someone tell me that that was a sign of intelligence. I think the verdict's still out on that one. But I like to ask questions because I like to understand. And although we've been exploring this idea of many hardships, uh, and we began that journey last time in our study in the book of Acts, we have more to explore. So the title for today's message is Many Hardships, Part 2. Many Hardships, Part 2. You can look back on our website if you want to catch Part 1. But we've already seen where Paul and Barnabas faced many hardships, opposition, rejection, persecution, even physical assault. And their first missionary journey isn't even complete yet, and they've experienced all of these things. So maybe you are like me and you have questions, questions as to why we have hardships, what the purpose of them are, what, what are we supposed to do if we're experiencing hardship, and maybe most important of all, where is God in the midst of a hardship? Well, begin, before I begin our passage for today, let me catch you up to speed at least on where Paul and Barnabas are on their missionary journey, where, where they're at physically in location. They've just left the city of Lystra. And if you'll recall, Lystra is where uh, Paul was stoned and drug out of the city when his opposers uh, assumed that he was dead from the stoning. They drug him out. But Paul had gotten up and walked away when the believers had gathered around him. 
The text doesn't tell us, but the Lord obviously did some kind of a miraculous work on Paul's body, possibly raising him from the dead. We don't know for sure. But definitely at least a, a minimum of a supernatural healing in his body, perhaps because of response to the believers' prayers as they gathered around him. But all of a sudden, Paul is back up on his feet after basically being thought he was dead. So now back up on his feet, Paul and Barnabas the next day head to the city of Derby, And this is where we're going to pick up where we left off. Acts chapter 14, verses 21 through 23. It says, after preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church with prayer and fasting, and they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel message in Derby and made many disciples, meaning that not only were there people who believed the good news about Jesus and received the forgiveness of sin, but Paul and Barnabas taught the people how to follow Jesus, to live how Jesus would have them to live. They didn't have the New Testament yet, so they didn't have Jesus' words recorded yet. But Paul and Barnabas knew the teachings of Jesus, and so they shared those verbally. But they taught them how to be disciples. Now, after making disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia. Now, if you've been with us over the last month or so, these cities' names are familiar to you. You know that Paul and Barnabas faced hardship in each of these places, yet they chose to return. Now, some say that these new cities, or that these cities had new leaders in charge. Now, that would have been a really quick turnaround in leadership in all of those cities because it was probably only weeks since their original visits to these cities. Others have concluded that Paul and Barnabas weren't speaking publicly to the crowds, but rather just to the converts that were made at their first visit. So the opposers didn't bother with them because they weren't out speaking publicly. But if even those things were true, which we don't know that they are. They actually don't even seem likely that that would be the case, especially as far as the leadership transition. But even if both of those things were true, I believe it would still have taken a considerable amount of courage to go back to those places that they were opposed, run out of town, stoned, and left for dead. But that's exactly what Paul and Barnabas did. They went back to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia. Why? Luke tells us to, that they went to strengthen the believers, most likely by giving them further instructions on what the word of God said, both the Old Testament scriptures as well as the teachings of Jesus, to strengthen them in their knowledge and understanding so that the roots of truth could go even deeper in the fertile soil of their spiritual hearts. Now, Paul and Barnabas also strengthened the believers, or strengthened the believers, but they also encouraged them to continue in the faith. And how did they encourage them? 
by reminding them as believers, we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now, again, that might be a bit of surprise to us in the American church. But the early church expected hardships to be a normal part of the Christian life, specifically persecution. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 tells us, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through, as if something strange was happening to you. This was commonplace for them. But we shouldn't be surprised if we suffer as believers either. It might not be because of persecution. But we're all going to suffer hardships. But please let me just gently say that if you're going through a hardship right now, this message is in no way intended to downplay the seriousness or the difficulty that you're walking through. Not at all. Rather, I believe that you're going to be encouraged with what I have to share today and also as we continue with it next Sunday. But hardship should not seem like strange occurrences in a believer's life. So if they aren't an abnormal thing, why do we have them? Drawing from an article from the Living in the Spirit Bible, I want to give six reasons as to why we as believers experience hardship. There might be others, maybe at least some nuances of these, but I'm just going to give these six reasons as to why we experience hardship. Starting with, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. When sin entered the world and death invaded the lives of all human beings, no one's exempt. This one isn't even just exclusive to believers, of course. No matter how good you are, no matter how much money you have, where you live, how good your health is, or whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you are affected just like every human being who lived before you, is currently living, and every human being who will live after you until the Lord returns. We live in a fallen world. In fact, all of creation has been affected. We read in Romans chapter 8, verse 20 through 23 says, Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We, too, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. How many are waiting eagerly for a new body? <laughs> Amen to that. We're all eagerly waiting when there's going to be no more death, decay or destruction, sickness and disease, misunderstandings and conflict. But right now, we live in a place where those things are present. We have hardships because we live in a fallen world. The second reason why we have hardships is that we make poor choices. Let's face it, we've all done it. 
We've all made poor choices. Hopefully, most of them were made in our youth when the consequences aren't as severe, like eating a bag of Doritos before you play a basketball game where you stayed on the court for the entire game. I have no idea who could have possibly have done that stupid thing. I'll let you just surmise as to who that was. I was junior high, okay? Give me a little slack. I didn't have a whole lot of then don't do that, okay? Don't eat the bag of Doritos before the basketball game. But anyway, the reality is, is our choices sometimes, our poor choices, will always open the door for hardship. If we do all the wrong things and none of the right things when it comes to our health, poor choices can bring physical hardship. Granted, some of our physical hardships are just simply because we live in a fallen world. But we also have health challenges because of poor choices. If we invest poorly, overspend, and aren't good stewards of what God has provided for us, our poor choices can bring financial hardship. If we neglect our time with our spouse, our kids, and with the Lord, our poor choices bring about relational hardships. I think you get the point. As I've heard it said, if you make stupid choices, you get stupid prizes. To be honest, this is the one source of hardship that we actually have control over. Because we are the ones that bring these types of hardships on ourselves with our poor choices. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, you will always harvest what you plant. That goes for our choices as well. James chapter 1 verse 5 gives us this advice to protect ourselves from experiencing this kind of hardship. He says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. We have the opportunity to ask for wisdom so that we can make the right choices. When we live in a fallen world, we live in a fallen world and we make poor choices. The third reason we experience hardship is we have an adversary. Satan is a god of this world, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says. And this world is under our control, or this world is under his control, I should say. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. But before we impulsively sigh in, dis in despair, know that God will only allow evil to the extent that it accomplishes his purposes. Take Job, for instance. Satan wanted to prove that Job only revered God because God was good to him. And God allowed Satan to test Job. Now, I know that Job suffered extensively, but so did the woman who was bound by Satan that Jesus healed after 18 years. Even Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7b, these words. He says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. You know, we can experience hardships because we have an adversary. But our adversary, the devil, is not omniscient. He cannot always be everywhere. Therefore, he sometimes uses demons and people to inflict hardship upon believers. Paul was stoned by people. Did Satan want to stop Paul from preaching the message of salvation through Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Open Doors reported that in 2022, 
360 million Christians experienced high high levels of persecution and discrimination. 360 million people last year, last year alone. That's up 20 million from the previous year. So we know that Satan is very active. We have an adversary. We can experience hardships because we have an adversary. And it is not uncommon for him to use human beings as his instruments. The fourth reason we experience hardship is that God uses them as a catalyst in our spiritual growth. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 from the New Century Version says, These troubles come to prove that your faith is pure. Much like a refiner's fire purifies precious metals, God uses the heat and applied pressure of hardship to purify our faith, to raise up a greater maturity in the faith. Which you might not have caught in that little video that we watched at the beginning of service with the young lady named Lydia, I don't remember her last name, from South Carolina who preached, uh, or I shouldn't say she preached, although it kind of was, but when she gave her Val Victorian speech, uh, she, was, she had mentioned that she had grown in her faith, that she understood her reliance on Jesus because her mother had passed away. She had suffered a hardship and had, had made her faith pure. Think about it in this way. Many of you know I used to run. I never ran the whole marathon, but I can understand this concept. Imagine how successful a marathon runner would be if they only did an easy workout of 100 yards each day. That's the further they ran was just 100 yards every day. Imagine how successful they would be. I say that with tongue in cheek. They wouldn't be. If they got to race day, stepping up to the starting line of the 26.2 mile race, and then started off. But they'd only run 100 yards at a time. In other words, they wouldn't be successful. They wouldn't fare so well because they had done so little to initiate the development of their stamina or strength. Well, the same thing can happen with us as believers if we don't allow God to accomplish what he wants through those hardships. That's why he allows us to experience those hardships. Because it's going to help us to develop our faith, to purify it whether it be to strengthen us, increase our dependency on him, or to help us to grow in Christ-like character and righteousness. God uses hardships as a catalyst for our spiritual growth. It stretches us. The fifth reason we face hardships is God uses hardships to also further his cause, or is the cause of his kingdom and his plan of redemption. God uses hardships to further the cause of his kingdom and the plan of his redemption. Consider Joseph of the Old Testament who suffered hardships by many injustices. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. Then he was unjustly accused by Potiphar's wife. Then he was thrown into prison. And all of that transpired. God used all of that so that he could position Joseph as an instrument of his plan to save his people. The people from which the Messiah would come. 
So yes, God uses hardship to further the cause of his kingdom and his plan of redemption. Of course, Jesus is the prime example of this principle. As he experienced persecution, anguish, and death so that God's plan of redemption could be fully realized. And lastly, we suffer hardships because we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says, But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Just like Jesus wept over the lostness of the city in Jerusalem, we weep over the lostness of the world around us. Perhaps many of us are experiencing this in a greater degree than other, ever before because we see so many in our nation being deceived. Deceived that they can change the sex that God determined for them even before birth. Deceived into thinking that ending a life through abortion is somehow health care and a right. Deceived into thinking that ending a life, or excuse me, deceived into thinking that there are no moral absolutes and that the Bible is irrelevant. When we as believers see the injustice done in the name of equity, we should be burdened. When we see people we personally know striving after the things of the world and rejecting the one who can only satisfy, we should weep. When we hear of people caught in addiction, we should grieve. And I could go on and on. Surely I'm not the only one in the room who has sensed the heaviness of the times in which we are living. And yet while they are heavy, we've been chosen to be alive at such a time as this. If we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin and place our trust in him for salvation, we have the mind of Christ. Therefore, we're going to experience hardship as we see the lostness of those around us. The Bible says we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Maybe you're going through a hardship right now. It's a difficult time in your life. Please know we want to pray with you this morning. The prayer team is going to be to my left. We want to seal whatever it is, we want to intercede, want to pray alongside you, pray for you, for whatever that may be. That's what people of God are supposed to do. Next week, I should have said this one's going to be a short message, but next week we're going to wrap up many hardships with what our response should be when we experience hardships, what we ought to learn through them. And one of those things is, where is God in the midst of a hardship? So let me leave you with this word of encouragement, because I just named all these reasons why we face hardships. So let me end on a, a word of encouragement straight from the Lord. In this world, he tells us, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And because he has overcome the world, we who believe are also overcomers in him. And so be encouraged. Hang on till next week so that we can find out, okay, so now what are we supposed to do when we're in these times of hardship? But know that we can also hang on to God is with you in it. I'll just give you that little piece. God is with you in it. He's not going to abandon you. 
nor forsake you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We know that you have chosen us to live at such a time as this. Lord, even though we in the American church sometimes forget the suffering that is happening all across the globe with the believers, Lord, because we, we don't experience the persecution like some nations do, like some believers are. But Lord, we experience hardships of maybe different natures, predominantly anyway. And Lord, even in the midst of those hardships, we can be reminded that we shouldn't be surprised by them. But Lord, I think it's going to be important that we consider the different sources. Because Lord, those different sources are going to cause us to respond in different ways. And so Lord, I pray that we'll consider, if we're going through a hardship today, what might be the reason? Lord, if it's a poor choice, help us to make the right wise one. But Lord, if it's some of these others that we don't have any control over, Lord, all we can do is control our response and how we're going to deal with them. And so, Lord, help us, we pray, as we continue this journey of understanding hardships that come upon believers and what we ought to do. And so just be with us, encourage us, Lord, put your covering of protection over us because we know that you are sovereign. You are sovereign over us. That means you're in control. And we just thank you so much that you're going to hold us in the palm of your hand. You're going to watch over us. You're going to guide us. You're not going to let anything happen to us that is beyond your will. And so, Lord, help us to rest in that and believe this truth that we are overcomers because you have overcome the world. Lord, we can endure because you did. And we just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.